0: Let's just thank the Lord for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that because of his resurrection that you too and myself, we will experience a resurrection one day. Amen. Lord, we just thank you. We honor you today. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We celebrate your resurrection today. We're thankful and grateful that you have conquered death, hell, and the grave. We stand in your presence today and we rejoice. We lift our hearts up. We lift our hands up and we rejoice today because we are free. We are free from sin. We are free from slavery and shame as a result of what you did at Calvary. So, Lord, we thank you today. We give you praise and we give you glory today. Amen. Would you just shout a great big amen wherever you're at? Clap your hands and just rejoice that Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Happy Easter. I am so glad that you have tuned in this morning, and the worship team has done a great job. Thank you so very, very much. And um, thank you for being with us today, and um, I am I am, have a word that I want to share with you today. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and get right into the word. And um, if you will just pay a few moments of your attention to Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse number one. It is the story of, of the resurrection of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse number one. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, And came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for the fear of him, because they became as dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not fear, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples word. All right, let's just look at the the greatest, the day that changed everything. I just want to just uh, preach the the day that changed everything. The day that changed everything. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have the opportunity on this resurrection morning, on this Easter morning, to look at your word today. And I pray that as your word is preached, that our hearts would be open and receptive to your word today. I pray for myself that I would only speak what you want me to speak today. Anoint me, Lord, and I won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone shout a great big amen. The day that changed everything. The day that changed everything. And, um, you know, as you study history, there's been many significant days that has occurred in the history of humanity. I want you to think about it just for a few moments. I want you to think about the American history. Our American history, you'll soon discover that one day truly does make a difference. For example, on July the 4th, 1776, the course of American history was changed when 13 colonies declared their independence from British rule. On December the 7th, 1941, the Japanese planes bombed Pearl Harbor, making a decisive difference in international affairs. On July 20th, 1969, for the very first time in human history, a man walked on the moon by the name of Neil Armstrong. On September the 11th, 2001, several commercial airlines were hijacked by terrorists, resulting in the deaths of over 3,000 Americans. You see, Christ's point, all of us can agree that there have been significant days in the course of our history, in American history, and in the world. But I believe that there is one day that really did make the greatest difference of all times. There is one day like no other day in the history of mankind. A day that gave hope to the dying, depraved humanity. A day that changed the crucifixion from bad news to good news of deliverance. A day that happened long before September the 11th, 2001. Long before July the 20th, 1969. Long before December the 7th, 1941. And even before July 4th, 1776. As a matter of fact, the day that changed everything happened over 2,000 years ago. What am I talking about? I am talking about a man by the name of Jesus, a Jewish man by the name of Jesus the Christ who was risen from the dead according to the scriptures. I am talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a day that changed everything. And you see Christ's point? That is why we are celebrating today. That is why we are commemorating today. Because the day that occurred over 2,000 years ago is still affecting us today. It is still bringing hope and change and healing to the lives of millions of people around the world. Today is Easter. Today is Resurrection Sunday. And all throughout the world, Christians are remembering and commemorating the death of Jesus Christ. And not only his death, but his powerful resurrection. We may may not be able to meet in traditional ways like we have in times past, but that doesn't matter because the resurrection is still powerful. You see, the church building may be closed, but Easter is not closed. Resurrection is not closed. Life-transforming power is not closed. Healing is not closed. Deliverance is not closed. The hope of Easter still rings in our hearts and our ears today. Christ's point, it's time to rejoice. The day that happened over 2,000 years ago really did change everything. It's time to rejoice. It's Easter. Rejoice, Christ point, because he has defeated the grave. He has conquered death. He has broken the power of sin and death over our lives. Rejoice. It's Easter. He has bruised the head of the serpent. Rejoice! He has delivered us from the evil one. Rejoice! He has crushed the power of the head of the serpent. He has crushed the power of shame and sin and guilt. Today, we are pardoned from our iniquity. Today, we walk in freedom. Today, we walk in deliverance. Today, we walk in the resurrection power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you remember that old hymn that we used to sing growing up in church? Let me, let me re- reminisce with you down memory lane. Rejoice, rejoice, O oh Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find no other is so loving, so good, and so kind. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, Christ's point. It's Sunday morning. Rejoice. The sun is shining. Death has been conquered. Sin has been conquered. Shame has been conquered. And you and I stand in the presence of Almighty God, justified and pardoned from our iniquity. Sin, shame, and guilt, and death was three days ago. Sin, death, and darkness, hopelessness was three days ago. But today is Sunday morning. Today it's different. Today is the day that's changed everything. Rejoice Christ point, for now there is forgiveness. Now there is mercy. Now there is hope. Now there is healing. Now there is deliverance. Christ point, there is still a cross that bleeds. There is still a tomb that is empty. There is still a prayer that saves. There is still a stripe that heals. There is still a heaven to gain and there is still a hell to shun. Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. You remember what he told Mary, Martha, Mary and Mary Magdalene concerning Lazarus? He said, oh Martha, don't you weep and Mary, don't you moan? He said unto those women for I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. The apostle Paul echoed those words in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 54. The apostle Paul said it like this, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, my friends, the man who died to give us an experience is the man that lives to continue the experience. Let me say that again. The man who died to give us the experience is the man that continues to live to to give us the experience. You see, my friends, lots of things have changed over the course of 2,000 years. But there are some things that's never changed. In the course of 2,000 years, lots of things have changed since that first Easter Sunday morning. Lots have changed. But, my friends, there are some things that's never changed. The day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead brought joy and hope to many people like his disciples, like some of those women who came to the empty tomb. But yet there were some people, that over 2,000 years ago, they were unmoved, unchanged by that day. There were those who got up and went to work that day over 2,000 years ago. They were unmoved and unchanged by the significance of what really happened on that first Easter morning. On that first Easter morning, there were those who went to school, There are those who prayed their prayers. There are those who cooked their traditional meals. There are those who went about their daily business unmoved and unchanged about the significance of what happened on that first Easter Sunday morning. And yet, my friends, there are millions today that's unmoved, unchanged concerning what is the significance of this day This day is just not any other day. This is the day where 2.3 billion Christians around the world celebrate a Jewish man from Nazareth. A Jewish man by the name of Jesus the Christ, who was 33 and a half years, was crucified on a Roman cross. They buried him in a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Then on that Sunday morning, early, the scripture says, an angel descended from heaven, rolled back the stone, and a glorious miracle happened that day. Paul said death has been swallowed up in victory because of his resurrection you and I have hope today there's no reason for us to fear the afterlife there's no reason for us to fear death because Jesus has conquered death he has conquered hell he has conquered the grave and because of his resurrection you and I have hope beyond this world you see there were those who were unmoved by that day There are those who were unchanged by what really happened that day. In Jerusalem, a great miracle happened. He was resurrected from the dead, and yet there were those who lived in disbelief. There are those who went about their business. They went to their jobs, went to their schools, prayed their traditional prayers, sung their traditional songs, not knowing that the greatest day in history had occurred. Oh, my friends, and yet it is today that many people go about their business not knowing that the greatest day in history has provided a way of hope, has provided a way of peace, has provided a way of salvation and healing. Yet they do not know that because of this day, they can walk in freedom. You see, my friends, to some people, Easter is just another day. To some people, Easter is a paid holiday. To some people, Easter means that they can sleep in. To some people, Easter means colored eggs and Easter baskets and Easter lilies, new clothes and bunny rabbits. But let me remind you, Christ's point, that if you claim to be a born-again Christian, Easter means everything. It means everything. It means that the stone has been rolled away. It means that death and the grave has lost its power. It means that we have a living Savior to save us. It means that we have a living Savior in the time of sorrow. It means that we have a living Savior to answer our prayers. It means that we have a living Savior to take us to heaven. I just want you to ponder this just for a moment. If you are a born-again Christian, Easter is more than just another day. Easter is more than a paid holiday. It's more than just sleeping in and having family dinners and coloring Easter eggs. If you are a born-again Christian, it means everything to you. I just want you to ponder just for a few moments. The day that changed everything. 2,000 years ago, on that Sunday morning, Matthew chapter 21, verse number 1, on the first day of the week, an angel came to roll away the stone. The first day of the week. He was resurrected on the first day because God always desires our first. On the first day of the week, Jesus set an example to us that first things always belong to God. First things always belong to God. That's why you and I go to church every Sunday. Because the early church fathers called it a mini Easter. Every time you go to church on Easter, you are proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every time you go to church on Easter Sunday morning, you are proclaiming with your body that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want you to ponder with me just for a few moments. What if, That glorious day over 2,000 years ago, what if it never happened? What if Easter really never happened? Then, my friends, if Easter never happened, then we have no hope of salvation. We have no hope of healing. If Easter never happened, then we have no hope of heaven. Our preaching is in vain Clergies are in vain, choirs are in vain, church buildings are nothing, our preaching's in vain, our faith is in vain, persecution is in vain, martyrdom has been in vain. All the time that you have invested has been a waste. All the money that you've given to missionaries around the world, it's a waste. All the money that we have given to feed the poor and clothe the naked, it has been a waste All the money that we have been invested is simply been thrown to the wind. We have suffered persecution for absolutely no reason. The promise of a place of no more sorrow. The promise of a place of no more pain. The promise of a place of no more sickness. The promise of a place of no more death is simply a cruel lie that has manipulated the hearts of millions of people by clergy members who get rich by those who sit in the church pews week after week week if Easter never happened. Martyrdoms have been in vain. Those early Christians who have been thrown to the Colosseums because they believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is simply been then in vain. Martyrs have been burned at the stake in vain. They have been pulled by apart by wild animals in vain. They've been eaten alive by wild uh, lions in vain. They've been boiled in oil for absolutely no reason. You see my friends, those those early Christians were so convinced that Jesus is more than a man. That Jesus is actually God. That he is 100% man and 100% God. They believed in the resurrection of Jesus because the resurrection is the stamp of approval for Jesus Christ. It is what validates who Jesus is. It validates that not only is he the son of God, but he is the son of man. And if Easter never happened then you and I are in a dangerous spot this morning. The disciples were completely deceived. How could it be that if Easter never happened, then why would it be that those early Christians, and especially those early disciples, why would they go around the world preaching a lie? Why would they go around the world preaching a fairy tale? Why would they go around the world preaching something that never happened? They wouldn't do that. But those early disciples were beaten. They were imprisoned. They were tortured and they died cruel deaths because they believed that Jesus Christ not only died, not only was he buried, but on the third day, the angel rolled away the stone and the power of God raised the dead body of Jesus up out of the ground. They believed it was true. They gave their life for the gospel. They gave their life for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all throughout the book of Acts, over and over, they preached with the power of God. They preached and gave witness that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is valid and that it is true. But if Easter never occurred... If Easter never happened, then my friends this morning, your loved ones who you say went on to be with the Lord is not with the Lord. Your loved ones are forever entombed in a cast iron shell six feet beneath the ground with no hope of escape. The greatest delusion and deception that this world has ever known has been preached and propagated in every continent around the world, and it has been selling a book of lies. If Easter is not true but I want to let you know today I believe that Easter is true I believe that the Bible is true from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation it states that Jesus is true, resurrected from the dead the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 verse number 2 that the disciples taught the people and preached that Jesus Christ re- resurrected from the dead the Bible says in Acts 4 verse 33 and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. I'm telling you today, Jesus is alive. Jesus is well. This church building may be empty this morning, but the grave is not empty. I mean, the grave is empty. The grave is empty to prove that Jesus is alive today. The Bible says that those disciples went out and they began to preach that Jesus is alive. Those women, when they came to the tomb and they found that the the Empty grave was was empty. The, 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 the angel said, why do you seek Jesus who was crucified? He is not here for he is risen. I love that story. I love those women, those, those, those first women in the Easter story, how they got up early on the first Easter morning, how they made their way to the tomb. And do you remember the story in the synoptic gospels where those women had uh, those women had discussions about how the stone was going to be rolled away. They said to one another, who is going to roll away the stone for us? But when they got to the tomb, they found that the angel had rolled away the stone. I am so glad. The Holy Spirit spoke to me one morning as I read the scripture, and he says that as you are walking, I am working. As you are walking, I am working. What those early disciples did not realize, what those early women didn't realize, that as they were walking to the tomb, discussing with each other, who was going to roll away the stone the Holy Spirit was already at work miles away rolling the stone away because as you walk he works and I want to let you know today Christ's point continue to walk with him continue to be guided by the Holy Spirit by him because as you walk he is working today he is working the Easter story proves to us that God always wants our best that he desires the very first because on the first day of the week, Jesus was resurrected it proves that number one he always desires our best he always wants the first it proves that as we walk he is working that as we walk he is working and isn't it interesting that in the story in the story the bible says in one of the synoptic gospels that the angel came early in the morning before the sun was even coming up right at dawn the, the angel was coming in other words it was was dark outside, barely light, and they were coming at dawn. The angel came at dawn on early Sunday morning. That proves to me that God always works at our darkest hour, even before the sun comes up. God is working, even when it looks hopeless and bleak, even when it looks like things are not getting better. God is at work. He always gets up when it's dark. He always gets up. When, I'm telling you today. I'm about to shout all over this building. He. Was will get up at your darkest moment of your life and that's why you can't give up you can't give up the tomb of jesus was a costly tomb the bible says in matthew chapter number 27 that joseph of arimathea the bible says he was a rich man A rich man who went and begged for the body of Jesus. The Bible says that him and Nicodemus had permission from Pilate. They took his body down from the cross, wrapped it in linen cloth, and laid it in a borrowed tomb, a new man's tomb, a rich man's tomb. He was buried in a rich man's tomb. You see... The the Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea knew that the body of Jesus was precious. They did not want to leave the body of Jesus on a Roman cross for vultures to pick at his body, for animals to eat his flesh. They knew that his body was special. They knew his body was precious. And they took down that dead body and wrapped it in linen cloth and put it in a borrowed tomb. I want to tell you today the body of Jesus is precious. I'm not talking about the physical body that is precious, but I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ is precious. And we got to do whatever we got to do. We got to be like Joseph of Arimathea. We got to be like Nicodemus. And we got to let, we got to refuse to let the vultures eat the body of Christ. We gotta protect the body. We gotta pray over the body. We gotta wrap the body. We gotta protect it because it is the body of Christ. It's amazing to me that Jesus never lived in a palace. Jesus never wore nice clothes. He never borrowed. Jesus never lived in a mansion. He had to borrow a boat to preach from. He never had a place to lay his head at night. Jesus never had a degree he never wrote a book, he never preached in a cathedral, never went to seminary never married, never had kids never wrote a song, but this man has changed the world he has split history between AD and BC, but this man's death, this Jewish man, a Jewish man 33 and a half years 33 and a half years old, has changed the world. He has changed the world. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Because you know why I believe he was buried in a borrowed tomb? Because God was saying this about his son. You have mocked my son. You have spit on my son. You have beat my son. You have lied on my son. You have deserted my son. But in his death, he's going to be buried in a rich man's tomb. That even in his death, I'm going to make sure... He has the very best Hallelujah! So you know what Joseph did? Joseph of Arimathea. He used his power. He used his influence. He used his wealth to provide a place for the dead body of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Joseph of Arimathea used his power, used his influence, used his wealth to provide a place for the dead body of Jesus. And if Joseph of Arimathea used his wealth, his power, his influence to provide Provide a place for the dead body of Jesus, then how much more should you provide a place for the risen Savior today? Hallelujah. It was not only a costly tomb, it was a borrowed tomb. Why was it borrowed? Because he wasn't going to stay there? Jesus was crucified because of your sin and my sin. He had no sin. He is the spotless lamb of God. He borrowed your sin. And the reason that it was a borrowed tomb is because He left your sin in the tomb. That tomb become the womb of your sin. The tomb is empty, because you can fill up your sins with the tomb. We must remember that it was a costly tomb. Joseph of Arimathea used his power, his influence, his wealth, to provide a place for the dead body of Jesus. How much more should you provide a place for the risen Jesus? It was a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to stay there long. Jesus was going to move. How much more should you move? How much more should you grow? How much more should there be movement in your life? Jesus was always going from one place to another. You don't find Jesus being stagnant. The first two letters of the word God is go. Because he's missionary. He's going. There's movement. There's not stagnant. There's not a rut. It was borrowed because he was going to move from that location. Lastly, there was an empty tomb. Empty tomb? Yes. You know, in... The resurrection is found in other gospels. The resurrection story in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 7, the Bible says that when Peter came to the empty tomb, he found a napkin. The napkin was folded. The napkin was put on his face. The napkin was folded. Now, there's been debate about what this means. What does it mean that the napkin was folded? Because I believe that everything in the scriptures point to something. It's a narrative. This, the Bible is not a science book. It's a narrative. It's a story. And I believe that the details are important. And when Peter came in John chapter 20 and he came to the tomb, he was rushing to get to the tomb. And when he got there, Peter and John, when they got there, they went into the tomb and found a folded napkin, a folded napkin, There's been different theories about what this means, but one theory that some Jewish scholars believe that this means is that a folded napkin means that I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll return. If that speculation is true, boy, it adds significance to the story, don't it? That Jesus took the napkin. He was resurrected in power. Got up out of the grave. Took the grave cloth off of his face. Why did he take it off of his face first? Is because he wanted to meet Peter. You know, Peter, the man that denied him. Peter, the man that was carnal. Peter, the man that struggled with his flesh and his attitude and his words. Jesus wanted to see Peter. He wanted to reassure Peter that it's going to be all right, Peter. Oh, read the story. Because when Mary found Jesus in the garden, or excuse me, when Mary found Jesus, Jesus said to Mary, go tell my disciples and go tell Peter that I'm risen from the dead. He folded the napkin. Because you know what? You know what Easter tells us? Easter tells us that he's coming back. But he's going to come back so I could see his face. There's not going to be a napkin on his face. I'll get to see him. He's going to return. We're going to behold him as he is. You know what Easter means? It means that all of our suffering, it means that all of our hurt, It means all of the martyrdom. It means all the churches that's been built. It means all the money that we've paid. It means all the missionaries we sent around the world. It means everything that we've done in his name It's going to be worth it. When we see his face, it's going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. Everything we've done is going to be worth it. All that we can do, if we can do it is express our worship to God in thanksgiving. It's going to be worth it. Easter tells us, he's coming back. It tells us that there's going to be a great resurrection morning one day where Gabriel is going to sound the trumpet and the dead in Christ shall be rise first and we will meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Because he was resurrected, you and I shall be resurrected in closing years ago when I was pastoring my first church in Cynthia, Kentucky, I was doing a funeral one day. And I after I did the funeral and greeted the family and pronounced the blessing, I got into the hearse, and they were taking me back to the funeral home. Of course, I love to ask questions, you know. And so I asked the funeral director, I said, it's interesting to me that I've done X amount of funerals for you, and every time I've done a funeral for you, it appears that the the caskets are facing one direction. Is there a reason for that? He said, yes, Reverend Pennington, there is. He said years and years ago, he said, uh, he said uh, the tradition was, since America was primarily... Not so much now, but then it was primarily a Christian nation. He said Christians would bury their dead in one direction facing the east. And then I said to the funeral director, Why are they facing the east? And why are they all facing one direction? He says because Christians believe when Jesus returns, He'll return in the east. And the very first thing that will happen is that when they're resurrected, they'll see his face for the very first time. I left that funeral that day thinking to myself, that's the hope that we have because of his resurrection. We'll get to be resurrected one day too. The napkin has been moved off of his face and you're going to get to see His face. Would you pray with me? If you don't know the Lord, as the worship team comes, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know Him as your Lord, right where you're at on this Easter Sunday morning, would you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I confess, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you forgive me, Lord? Would you cleanse me? Would you come into my heart? Would you be my Savior? I accept you today as my Lord and Savior.